Welcome to the First Century Church Podcast. My name is Stephen Wilhoy, and I'm the lead pastor at First Century Church, and it is an honor to have you with us today. The goal of the podcast is simple. We want you to be encouraged, challenged, and inspired to go further in your faith than ever before. If you'd like more information about the church, you can visit our website, firstcenturykc.com. And if you happen to be in the Kansas City area anytime soon, we'd love to have you join us for one of our live gatherings to connect with you in person. Again, thanks for joining us today, and we hope that you enjoy today's message. Uh, Today we are kicking off week three of 21 for 21, which is 21 days of prayer and fasting for the year uh, 2021. It's hard to believe that we're near the end of the first month already. It's unbelievable, but here we are. And so we're going to finish up this three-week series today. And so I hope, again, that you have been engaging in this. Whatever you've been fasting or however you've been fasting, whatever that's looked like for you, I hope that you have just kind of been sticking with it, uh, going through it. I hope that you've sensed uh, the purpose in that. But that's what we're going to talk about today. Because maybe you've been in this prayer and fasting. Maybe you've started a new habit. Maybe you've been spending a few minutes alone with God now and you haven't for a long time or maybe never have. But maybe along this line, especially on maybe a day where fasting has been rough for you or you didn't fit in the time for prayer, or you, you know, you're just struggling with that. Maybe you've thought, what's the point? Why are we focusing three weeks on fasting and prayer? Like, why are we doing that? And maybe you haven't really engaged with this because you've had the same question. You've you've seen, oh, that's cool that they're doing that. It's neat that our church is doing that. You know, maybe you've seen a lot of churches around doing that. January is a very popular time for this kind of thing. And so we just jumped on the bandwagon, right? Uh, But again, the first of the year is a good time to just really focus in on intense prayer and a time of fasting. And, but maybe you haven't, and you haven't because you couldn't get past this question. And I'm sorry that I saved it for the last week, but maybe today I'll answer some of those questions and you'll do the last week with us. I don't know. Um, But we're going to look at the point. What's the point of prayer and fasting, of dedicating this time, setting it aside, making it a thing? What's the point? Why are we doing it? And so we're going to look at that today. And I'm going to give you the answer right off the top. Okay, I'm not going to lead you down a path and then tell you the point. I'm going to tell you the point right off the bat, and then we're going to explore that in detail. We're going to take really, well, the first two-thirds of our time probably. Uh, don't clock me on this, okay? Uh, it's not the two-minute drill. I promise I'll be done before the Chiefs start, okay? I promise I'll be done by then. No. Last week we talked about it. It was very simple, two points. Today's really one main idea, so it's even more simple than last week. We're looking at the point of this time of prayer and fasting. So here it is. The point is God's presence. Wow, big reveal there. It's like, oh, really? That's that all? And I'm like, yes, that is all, and that is more than enough. The point of this time has been prayer of prayer and fasting has been God's presence. Now, we've talked about, you know, two weeks ago, fasting, and last week, prayer. We talked about some of the points of those things uh, specifically, or maybe generally, I guess. Um, But, and and we talked about mainly what they do, the value of them, what to look for. Today, we're going to encapsulate this whole idea of this time of dedication of fasting and prayer. The point is God's presence. So what I want to do first is walk through an Old Testament example of this, and we'll see some benefits along the way of God's presence in Exodus. We're going to kind of journey through this, the book of Exodus this morning a little bit and see that the point of everything that God did or ever does or ever will do is his presence. That's always the point. 
So we're going to start here, uh, Exodus 13, verse 21. It says this, The Lord went ahead of them. He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud, and he provided light at night with a pillar of fire. This allowed them to travel by day or by night. And the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. Now, the, the very last series that I ever preached before we moved into the building was about this cloud and fire thing. Uh, and so we've talked about this before, but I'm going to revisit it again to prove this point, that the point of anything is always God's presence. Okay? So it says here that God's pre- he showed his presence in the form of this cloud that led the people. And at night, it would basically glow in the dark. I mean, that's a pretty cool nightlight, right, guys? A glowing in the dark cloud that looks like fire. Maybe it, as we'll see, is sometimes filled with fire. So what's interesting here is that Exodus 13 is as Israel, or the Hebrews at that time, they are just barely leaving Egyptian bondage. Like, they have just started walking out of the borders of Egypt, and God immediately shows his presence in this way to lead them and guide them. That's pretty fascinating. But what we're going to notice, what you may know about the first, you know, little travel here after Egypt is the first place that the Spirit of God, the presence of God leads them is to an impossible situation. So God's presence in this cloud and fire leads them through the wilderness for a little while until they get to the Red Sea. And they may hear some rumbling behind them because Pharaoh back in Egypt decides, maybe I shouldn't have given up a million free slaves, you know, to build my stuff. That was a really dumb thing that I did. Let's go back and get them. And if they won't come, then we'll kill them, right? So the Spirit of God, the presence of God, leads them to an impossible situation. Have you ever felt that God's led you to an impossible situation before? And maybe you didn't think it was, maybe you thought it was a mistake, but then you're like, I'm pretty sure God's want me to do this or go there or, you know, whatever, and I'm just not seeing how this is going to work out. I've got a sea in front of me and an army behind me. This is not what I thought God was going to do, but that's, God's presence led them there. In front of them is a sea that's uncrossable. Behind them is an army that's going to capture them or kill them. Why in the world would God do that? Well, let's read on Exodus 14. As they're kind of sitting here waiting on what are we going to do, they're kind of freaking out, understandably. Maybe you've been there. And here's what happens. So Moses talks to God. He's like, what are we going to do? Exodus 14, verse 15. The Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they will charge in after the Israelites. My great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh. Now, let me stop there for a second. Let me read that first part again. My great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh. Okay? I'm just going to let that sit for a second. So this evil person who's trying to kill God's people, God's saying his glory will be shown through him. Fascinating. And his troops, his chariots, and his charioteers. When my glory is displayed through them, all Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. Let's pick it up here. Then the angel of God, who had been leading the people of Israel, right, from the front, moved to the rear of the camp. The pillar of cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them. The cloud settled between the Egyptian and the Israelite camps. As darkness fell, the cloud turned to fire, lighting up the night. 
But the Egyptians and the Israelites did not approach each other all night. So not only did God's presence lead these people to an impossible situation, a sea in front of them and an army behind them, but then he seems to disappear. You've brought us here, and now we can't find you. You've brought me here, placed me here, led me here, and where did you go? Well, what they didn't know at the beginning, but then became uh, very apparent to them, is God's presence had led them and stopped them where they couldn't go any further. And then he, he brought protection from behind them. Because that's where they needed protection from. The sea's not going to do anything to them, right? The fish aren't going to come out and kill them, okay? They're not going to drown because they're not in the water yet. The danger's from behind them, and God's presence knows this, and so he offers protection from behind there's this famous poem, and I'm going to try to just talk about it and not butcher it. It's Footprints in the Sand. Are you familiar with that poem? So the idea is this person has a dream, and in this dream, they're looking at over events of their life, and they see that they, their footprints are in the sand next to the sea, and then God's footprints are next to them all throughout life. But at the end of this ordeal, they look back and they say, you know what, God, I got a problem. When I look back over the darkest times of my life, the most difficult times of my life, I only see one set of footprints in the sand. What's the deal? And God says, it was in those moments that I was carrying you, right? So sometimes we don't see God's protection in our lives, but it's there. As we engage in his presence, the point, again, is God's presence. So the closer that we draw to God, I believe that the more protection we can find through him. And we can't always see what he's doing or where he's going. I thought you were leading me, but now you're way back there. What's the deal? Maybe that's where the danger's coming from. And we don't know it, but he does. That's what he does here. It also makes you think of Ephesians chapter 6. Paul lists what we call the armor of God. And he'd see, you know, we have the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness. And we have the belt of truth. And we have the, the, the shield, uh, shield of faith and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We have, and the shoes that prep, prepares for the gospel of peace, right? We have all these things. What we find in this spiritual armor is it all protects us in the front, but nothing in the rear. So, I would say that many times God might look like he's behind you. It doesn't mean that you've lost track of him or he's lost track of you. It might mean he knows that's where we're vulnerable. We're fighting the fight. Well, I'm armored up front with faith and, you know, with the breastplate, with righteousness and salvation. Like, I'm good up here. I need protection if I get shot in the back. So I want you to see this for your own life. Maybe you don't know where God went. You feel like he's left. You feel like, why is he back there? Because that's where he needs to be. That maybe is where you need him to be, not where you think he should be, where he needs to be. And so the next time that you're looking around, you don't see where he is, maybe just look behind you, and you'll probably find him. Look a different direction than what you expect, and you'll probably find him there, and that's where he needs to be. Now, again, let me go back, go back to the point, though. I'm going to say this a lot. Protection is great, but what's the point again? God's presence is the point. Protection is a good benefit of that, but it comes through his presence because of his presence. The point is God's presence, but we do find protection in that. And what we see as we move on, uh, this cloud and fire thing are a theme. They keep going, and we'll see that here in a few minutes. But then we also see here that in God's presence, God gives instruction. So he gives direction, but he also gives instruction. Exodus 19 verse 9 is the first time that we really see this played out. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will come to you in a thick cloud, Moses, so the people themselves can hear me when I speak to you, then they will always trust you. So God does this on purpose. 
You know, it's almost, it reminds me again of Jesus at the tomb of Lazarus. He prays this prayer to God out loud before he raises Lazarus from the dead. And he tells the people why he's praying the prayer. He says, God, I'm praying to you so that they will know that you can do anything, right? I want them to hear me. So God does this. He basically says, Moses, I'm going to talk to you in this cloud so that they can hear me, so that when you give instructions, they'll know it came from the top, not just oh, Moses thinks he knows best. Well, no, Moses is hearing from God, and God's telling him what to say and what to do, and he's doing that. So that's what he does. Then we see this happen down in verse 16, Exodus 19, 16. On the morning of the third day, thunder roared and lightning flashed, and a dense cloud came down on the mountain. There was a long, loud blast from a ram's horn, and all the people trembled. Moses led them out from the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. All of Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord had descended on it in the form of fire. The smoke billowed into the sky like smoke from a brick kiln. The whole mountain shook violently. As the blast of the ram's horn grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God thundered his reply. The Lord came down on the top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain. So Moses climbed the mountain. Well, it's interesting. First, in Exodus 14, we have a firewall, and now we have a download from the cloud. So this is all very futuristic. Like, you know, God knew what he was doing here uh, with the way that he does things. And so we have this download basically from the cloud for Moses. In the midst of God's presence came God's instruction, his command, his law, because in Exodus 20, we get the Ten Commandments. We get the first ten laws, and then there are hundreds that follow after that he receives on the mountain in the midst of this cloud of God's glory, God's presence. Now, God's command, God's law, that, that sounds to humans like, no, I don't want that. I, I don't need laws to follow God. I'm not interested in that. Our human nature resists rules. But if you've lived long enough, and especially if you have children, you know rules are for our benefit, Johnny, I don't want you to play in the street, not because I don't value your freedom, because I value your life. So I'm making this rule, this guardrail, that you should not play in the street, especially when cars are coming. The, the things that we set up for our children is the same way that God does with us, with his law, his commands, his instructions. And just like our children tend to try to rebel and resist those rules and instructions and commands, we, many times, I'm probably not the only one, right, who tries to resist God's commands, God's instructions, God's laws. I'm kind of, oh, God, I don't really, I don't think I want to do that today. It's like, too bad, so sad, brother. You know, I'm, I'm the rule maker and you're the rule follower. So, but here's the thing. What, again, so direction, or I'm sorry, instruction is good, but the point is what? God's presence. So here's the thing. Just like with his protection, I believe the more that we engage with God's presence, the more clear his instruction becomes to us. Okay? I believe that as we grow in our knowledge, as we grow in our relationship with God, our knowledge of God grows. Our understanding of God grows. Even our love for God's instruction grows. And you think that's a weird thing. It's true. And I'll just be very transparent with you. I've noticed this in the last couple of weeks of this time of prayer and fasting. I've noticed more of a love for God's word. In my, and I study this book for a living, guys, okay? So I like, I like the Bible pretty well as it is, okay? I'm pretty comfortable with the book. But I even noticed as I just intentionally made extra time, more time, set it aside, I'm just like, this is great. This is amazing. Like, oh, and I've even noticed, man, that psalm is really good. I, even, I think it's Psalm 37 I read a couple days ago. I was like, that's really good. Like, I've read that many times, maybe even preached from it, but I'm like, wow, that's really good. So that's what God does. The more that we engage with his presence as the point, 
the more that then his instruction makes sense to us, the more that we then are willing to obey his instruction, which is for our benefit. But the point is God's presence. That's the point. So he provides protection and instruction. The last thing we'll, we'll see here, at the, the, the first part here, is that God also then provides direction. The point is his presence, but it provides direction. Exodus 40. So we've gone all the way from Exodus, what, 13 to Exodus 40, all the way through here. Here's kind of a summary of this time of traveling in the desert. It says, then the cloud, it's still there, right? The end of Exodus 40, it's still there. The cloud covered the tabernacle. So they had just built this basically tent that they worshiped in as they traveled through the desert. The cloud, so when it's finished, the cloud covered the tabernacle and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could no longer enter the tabernacle because the cloud had settled down over it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. We see this again when Solomon finishes the temple. At the dedication of a temple, this exact same thing happens. The glory of the Lord in the form of a cloud comes in and is so thick that says no one can even enter in to this temple that they just built because God's glory is like, I'm first, it's my house, I'm going in before anybody else. And he fills the temple and the tabernacle. And here's, here's kind of a summary of this time of wandering for the Israelites. Whenever the cloud lifted from the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out on their journey following it. But if the cloud did not rise, they remained where they were until it lifted. The cloud of the Lord hovered over the tabernacle during the day, and at night fire glowed inside the cloud so the whole family of Israel could see it. This continued throughout all their journeys. So for 40 years, this group of people are led by a cloud and a thing of fire at night. God is faithful in providing direction for the people through his presence. See, they didn't have a compass, right? They didn't know where they were going. They knew where they wanted to get eventually, but not really how to get there. They had to rely upon God's direction. They had to rely upon God's presence to get them where they needed to go. Isn't it nice to know in life where to go and when to go there? Isn't it nice in life to know when to wait and for how long to wait? Isn't that, isn't that amazing we have those moments? Those moments can only come as we engage in God's presence. Those moments become more apparent in our lives as we engage more in God's presence. That, that's, that's the secret. Like It's not really a secret. I'm giving you the secret, okay? Uh, but God's, God promises direction, but it comes through his presence. It's not just this thing like, you know, talk to God once in a while. Hey, God, you know, what do you think about that? It's like, no, I want to engage with him. I want to be on the same page with him. I want to be in step with him. So I'm not having to catch up seven steps behind. Oh, wait, God, wait, 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 wait. Because, right, it says when the cloud moved, they better move. And if they didn't move, guess what? They're probably going to be lost and die in the desert. When the fire moved, guess what? They better be packing up and moving because God's not going to wait on them. He's like, I told you what we're doing here. I've told you if the cloud stays, you stay. If the cloud moves, you move. If the fire stays, you stay. If the fire moves, you move. We know the deal, so let's just do the deal. And so that's what they did for 40 years until they got to the promised land. So let me ask you two questions, and I'm going to kind of meddle for a second. This is not personal to anyone, but it, it might be very personal to everyone. Let me ask you this. Do you lack direction in your life? Like, think about where you are. Do you routinely lack direction? Let me ask a second question. 
How much are you engaging in God's presence? Those two things go together. They are not mutually exclusive. I I believe, and you can disagree if you want, that's fine, but I'll just tell you my experience is, the more that I engage with God's presence, the less lost I seem to be, right? The, The more closely that I'm engaged with God's presence, the more I sense his direction, a lot quicker, a lot easier, with a lot less fighting and worrying and wondering. And now there are questions because I'm a human, and there are fear because I'm a there is fear because I'm a human. But I find that the more that, that then if I'm like, ooh, I'm kind of fading, then then I'm got a lot more questions, a lot more fear, a lot more uncertainty that I wouldn't have to deal with otherwise if I had maybe engaged more with God's presence. So this is not like you know I'm slamming anyone for their personal time. I don't know what your personal time with God looks like. I'm just telling you that the more that we engage with that, as we see here throughout the story of Exodus, we can expect as we engage with God's presence, we'll find more protection, more clear instruction, and more clear direction in our lives. Like these people literally wandered through the desert for four decades, and they got to their final destination because they followed God's presence. They did. When he stopped, They stopped. Sometimes they stayed in the same place for years. The cloud just stayed there. The fire just stayed there for years. Sometimes they barely got their stuff unpacked, and he's on the move again. And they're like, whoa, wait a second. We haven't even finished dinner. Okay, let's just go, you know. That's how life still works. Now, it it would be nice to have a literal cloud and literal pillar of fire to help us do that. But we have, I think, one thing better than that. We have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of us, doing the same thing, in even a more personal way. So when he tells me to move, if I'm, if I'm in tune with his spirit, if I'm in tune with his presence, I'm going to be like, let's move, let's go, let's do this thing. If he's like, no, wait, 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 not yet, right? And if you're one of those people, you're in a hurry all the time, you know, about making decisions, and you're all, oh, my God. Sometimes God just like, just calm down, just breathe. I haven't said to do that yet. I haven't given the green light. Like, don't go, don't try to zoom through on a yellow. That does mean slow down. Now, in a car, I know you might treat that differently, right? on what kind of driver you are. But in our spiritual lives, it's like if yellow means like pump the brakes here because there may be a, a stop sign or a red light coming up and we have to be ready for whatever God has. So the point is God's presence. It does provide protection, instruction, direction, but the point is God's presence. Let me get really meta here for just a couple of minutes and I want to talk about the point of the point. Okay, we're going to go a level deeper here. Uh, than I intended even to go, but I, there, are, there are two things that I think flow from this reality of, of God's presence. Because the things that we've talked about so far as benefits of God's presence are more personal. They're more for, for me. They're more for you. But if you've been a Christian long enough, you know that the point of your Christian life is not you. The point is love God, love others, okay? And so I think as we, we do see these benefits, but the point is God's presence, and then what flows from that is, I think, are two very powerful things I want to close with for just a couple minutes. So as we engage in God's presence, as we see the point of our existence, and really specifically right now the point of our intense time of prayer and fasting is God's presence, here's what flows from that. Here's, here's what we can see from that. First, God's presence reveals God's passion. God's presence reveals God's passion. Let me ask you, what is God passionate about? 
What does God really care about? What are the things that are like top on his priority list? There are several, but I've got four things listed here that I just want to bullet point really quickly. These are the things that God is most passionate about. People, right? The most famous Bible verse, John 3, 16. God so loved the world. That's people, right? Everyone, all of the people that he gave his only son, that whoever, that's people, would believe in him, would not perish, but have eternal life. God's passionate about people. God's passionate about compassion. When you read throughout Old and New Testament, the key things that God are concerned about with people are meeting the needs of those people, especially the least of them, the most vulnerable of them, orphans, widows, in distress, right? The poor, the needy, the, the, that's, that's what God cares about. He's passionate about compassion. God's passionate about his word. We even sang it, you know, this morning. His word is true, right? His word is pure. It's perfect. It is everything. And even Amanda mentioned it this morning that that's how the universe started was with God's word. So he's pretty passionate about his word, about the written word. That's, that's why hopefully in this time of prayer and fasting, you've engaged more in Bible reading too. That's part of what this whole focus has been about, engaging with God's presence through his word, because God's pretty passionate about his word. And then God is also compassionate about the gospel. That's the ultimate mission of the entire scripture. Even in Genesis, that's the point, the gospel, helping people saving people from themselves. That, that's this whole, there's, you know, theologians would say there's this red thread that's woven all throughout the Bible that Jesus is there from the beginning. And we know, going back to, we talked about God's word, we know John 1, John says, in the beginning was the word. He was with God. He was God. That's Jesus. He was there, right? Part of that creation. So he's there from the, before the beginning, and he's still there. We just read in Revelation 5 during worship. He's there at the end. So he's, he's there. The gospel is the whole point, the whole mission. Scripture says that God would that none perish, but all come to repentance. Uh, uh, Romans says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we see that God's passionate about his message going forth, this good news being heard to all the people. God's pretty passionate about that. He's passionate about all these things. And so here's what we see. Again, God's presence reveals God's passion. And it's not that it just reveals that God is passionate about these things, but what's revealed is that we become more passionate about them ourselves. That's what becomes revealed as we engage in God's presence. God's passion becomes our passion more and more. It grows and it grows. We begin to care more about what God cares about. We begin to value more of what God values. These things that we've just listed, and there are, there are more. It's not an exhaustive list, but that's what it's all about, is that as I engage more in God's presence as the point, then the outflow of that is that I become passionate about what God is passionate about, about people, about their felt needs, about their ultimate spiritual need, about the supremacy of God's word. That's what we become more passionate about as we engage more in God's presence. His presence reveals his passion. And then the last thing that we'll talk about for just a minute, another outflow of God's presence is that God's presence fulfills God's purposes. And again, by that I don't mean, God can fulfill his purposes on his own without any help from anyone, right? He can do that. But he chooses to use you and me to fulfill his purposes. 
So as we engage in God's presence, it helps us to fulfill God's purposes. For our life, it then should affect the lives of others as well. It gives us the power to do the work that he's calling us to do. And we need the power of God's presence. We need it. In the middle of all this Exodus story, in Exodus 33, God tells Moses something very interesting. So again, to this point, he's been leading by cloud and fire, cloud and fire, directing them where to go. There's not really anything spoken that we know of. God just moves, and they move. But then in Exodus 33, God speaks to Moses, and he says, Hey, Moses, I want you now to lead the people toward the promised land. This is new. This is not how God's worked so far, and Moses is kind of concerned about God's new method here. And he's concerned initially that God's not going to go with them because he's told Moses to lead them now. He's like, well, no, no, you've been leading. I'm not. I mean, I'm like number two. Like, I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm second in command, you know. You're, you're driving the ship here. Why are you telling me to now lead them? And he's, he's kind of afraid. So what Moses tells God in Exodus 33, he says, God, if you're not going, I'm not going. Moses understood the power of God's presence, the necessity of God's presence to do the job that God had for him to do. He's like, I'm inadequate to do this thing. Like, I can't lead these people. I don't know where I'm going. I've relied upon you just like they have. I just happen to be the guy in charge of all these whiny brats, okay? And so, you know, God says, no, I'm going to go with you. Don't worry. This thing's going to be the same. For some reason, he just kind of changed up how he gave direction to Moses. But again, Moses said, if you're not going, I'm not going. If you're staying, I'm staying. He understood the power of God's presence. We need the power of God's presence in our lives. It is oxygen to our spiritual lungs. It is everything. Without that, Jesus says, and I think it's John 15 or 17, uh, forgive me, uh, he says, I'm the vine, I think it's John 17, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from the presence of God working in your life, you can do nothing. Uh, Now, you can live your life, and you can do your job, and you can raise a family, but man, you're missing out. So when I find that I'm pulling apart from God's presence, man, I'm missing out. There's power there that I need that I haven't tapped into, that I haven't accessed, and it's my own fault, right? Because I've neglected engaging in God's presence, So again, this is not a beat-up session day, so please don't take it that way. This is an encouraging thing. The point of why we're engaging in prayer and fasting to start the year out is to engage with God's presence, to kind of force ourselves into doing that. Like, I've got to maybe retrain. I've got to, you know, change some habits or priorities about my everyday to engage, to gain the power to fulfill God's purpose for my life and through my life. That's the point. Again, the point is God's presence. So this time of fasting and prayer, hopefully it resets our hearts, it refocuses our minds, it renews our spirit, it helps us to, as the scripture says, conform more to the image of Christ. It changes us, it challenges us, it empowers us for the journey ahead. The point is God's presence. We need it. We have to have it. And I believe, and I'm hoping that this time has been this for you and it will continue to propel you forward, that as we take heart in this difficult time in which we live and and the things that we're uncertain about and whatever is worrying you in your life, in your relationships, in your future, maybe your past is a a worry, right? God helps us through his presence to overcome all those obstacles. 
to work through our fear, to overcome our insecurity, to overcome our lack of power, our lack of discipline, our lack of hope that we may have at times. Engaging in his presence is the point. And it is more than enough to get us through anything that we face in this life and get us ready for the life that is yet to come. 